conversations in society. We talk racism, culture, politics, and economics, the issues that matter to you. It's Danielle Guthrie here, co-founder of In Society, and today I'm talking about do our votes even matter? I'm joined here with Sarinda Chera. He is the local groups and diversity lead at Make Votes Matter campaign. Hi. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Nice to meet you. And thank nice. you so much for inviting me on board. Oh, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. I can't wait. And My pleasure. <laughs> For all those who are listening, today is actually the 15th of September and it is the International Day of Democracy 2021. So we're going to also talk a little bit about this. Right at the heart of it, I would say. Definitely. Um, You know what, let's go straight into it. First and foremost, I want to get a scope on what democracy means to you. Actually, before the podcast, I I was thinking about, because it's a big question. It is. kind of cuts cuts at the heart of so much that's going on you know I think recently in this climate maybe more so you know and everything that's been happening with COVID and restrictions that have come down people have been questioning well, what what is democracy and how to um so I think it implies a sharing of power um it's a decentralized distribution system and that I think that what that implies also is that there's ability to influence that power structure. Yeah. And if that is present, then the people that are making the decisions are responsive in a symbiotic way with the people that are that they're representing. Yeah. So for me, those are the things that are at the heart of democracy. That was an amazing answer. Mine was quite, um, I guess mine was quite simplistic. I just thought about people and having people's voices heard and considered um, at the very least um, and not shunned away. I think that's why it's so important to think about our voting and our voting systems, especially on an international scale as well like how that plays into the the international level of things yes absolutely i mean i mean i think you know at its heart it's such an important question because you know this is what our whole campaign is about really it's it's about meaningful accountability of power yeah and if it's not meaningful and it, it can't be influenced then it's not it's not democratic Exactly. We're going, to, we're going to explore. Um, the values of votes shouldn't be distorted by any factor, mainly by geography, I think. Yeah. So far, so far, that's happening. Um, you know, we'll come on to explore that. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about why is there a day for democracy and at an international level as well. Um, just for a bit of background to those listening, this is a United Nations, the Sustainable Development Goals, and one of their development goals is actually democracy. So it ties in very well to what they're trying to achieve by 2030 anyway. But part of it, of this day, was set up to review the state of democracy internationally, and of course to monitor it as well. And um, it's very interesting because um, there's universal principles attached to uh, democracy and everything that the United Nations is doing. So what do you think is some of the human rights elements that could be linked into the International Day of Democracy and just democracy in general? Well, democracy and human rights are obviously really intertwined, absolutely inseparable, really. and the UN acknowledges this. I mean, what, I, what I've taken from some of the literature and just reading around this is, you know, democracy is a state where people have rights, especially to vote for and elect their government, and rather than being controlled by a government. Yeah. And where they have no right of dissent or, or protest. And so obviously, if there's a lack of democracy, then people don't have a voice. 
and this means that the power structures can basically ignore what they want what their needs are what their values are because they are immune to the effects of you know the population on their power structure yeah so human rights <clears throat> we know <clears throat> in places where democracy is on on the wane which I, I was reading an article called democracy under siege recently um and it's from freedom in the world 2021 it's really worth a good look and oh that's a recent is that a recent? yeah yeah it's 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 a really good article um and it talks about how um democracy is basically on the decline mm. around around the planet um we've seen so many countries with violent uprisings and dictatorships that have come in and yeah we've seen, we've seen incredible scenes in the united states recently, yeah you know with the whole you know protest with trump and everything and so the democracy day really is a, is a day where we're keeping stock of where we're at we're reviewing where are we at with democracy what does it mean how's it going is it you know where, where are we at with it so i think it's a very important day and um in this country how do you think that covid has impacted on democracy and of course voting um and just ha- the way we view it do you think there's been any impact by co- covid's impacted almost everything has it impacted that part as well how could there not be an impact <laughs> <laughs> well you know i could answer that in so many ways i can speak for myself this is my personal view yeah I'm not speaking for Make Votes Matter on this, but certainly my observations are that COVID has raised all sorts of issues about inequality. Well, yeah, 100%. Um, I'm a member of um, various organizations that are looking at this, one of which has written a report on the disproportionate impact of COVID on BAME communities. Yep. And it's frightening. The number of people that were left in frontline positions, so vulnerable. Um, yeah. And, you know, we know we know what's happened, really. So I think there's been a climate of fear, um, which I personally think has been really unhelpful on every level. Um, not least on a physical level, when you have this amount of fear, you're going to have a huge impact on the immune system. I work in the health system. I'm an NHS staff member as well. And uh, I work in mental health as one of the things that I do. And, um, and I've seen the impact firsthand of people coming in with all sorts of trauma related to what they've experienced in the last year either through direct bereavement or through the experience of being in hospital and having the whole system come into operation that we've been living in. Turn now to what's happened, you know, where where does that, I mean, I know that in this year there's been a whole raft of legislation that's been brought in. Yeah, yeah. um, Which I'm not sure would have been brought in otherwise. And it's taken, there's been many organizations that have commented on the erosion of democracy that's resulting from this. Um, So I think it's had a very poor impact on democracy. Um, I think people are now living in fear. And when people are in fear, they can't really think on the whole. And they tend to kind of reach out and trust authority figures if they can, which I think it's a bit ironic, really, in the current climate. I mean, we also had a, a, a vote in the middle of pandemic, didn't we, for the mayors and the police crime and commissioners. Um, so, I mean, I watched what was going on with that and just all the debates to do with how you can vote, how you cannot vote, all these other things happened during COVID. Do you think, just looking at that type of voting, I mean, it's a different voting system from the national elections. However, do you think that was impacted as well by COVID? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, there's a huge amount of, of apathy that's, that's crept in. The 
kind of proposals to roll back proportional systems for the mayoral elections and for the PCC is a backward step. And the justification for it, it again, it was very loosely referred to in the manifesto. Yeah. And like so many things, that leaves it wide open to interpretation, however they like, and justification. And it's the old rationale, you know, for first past the post. It's clearer, it's it's simpler, as if the electorate can't cope with more than one choice on a ballot box. Despite the fact that we all have mobile phones that are probably more complicated than pretty much anything we had 30 years ago. Honestly, just trying to understand Instagram, TikTok, all these things, that's very difficult. Yeah, We're all but, on it. <laughs> it's impossible for the electorate to understand a ballot box that could be a little bit more nuanced. Yeah. That's absolutely ridiculous and patronising. And um, and I think they rolled out these justifications, which for me are excuses, absolute excuses. They're one of many strategies that are being used to kind of... I'm, I'm not... This isn't about a particular um, party, because I think this applies to Labour as much as... Um, the Conservative Party in many ways where you know the, the big parties that have been in power historically haven't wanted to share that power and I think then the first past the post has been defended on that basis dressed up as oh it's 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 a it's a clearer system it's more easy to use you know and, and the electorate understand it and and you know, it delivers, you know, uncomplicated government without these coalitions that, you know, backhand deals, you know, that those are the main justifications that are used. So in essence, that's that's what they're saying about why we should go back. And um, and there's no there's no clear rationale for it at all. The evidence points to the absolute contrary. So and I, th- I think the the rationale as it stands in this current with this current government is to shore up their own power. I don't think it's about anything else, personally. Well, I think that actually brings us nicely into, you know, Make Votes Matter and what you do. Great. So the the main thing that Make Votes Matter is doing is campaigning for a system where votes share will match the seat share. And that that will be a proportional system. And... So the, the whole campaign was came was founded after one of the election results with Owen Winter, who's one of our founders, who was when Cameron got into power, I believe, um, and basically the election result was so unfair in terms of the vote share and the proportion of votes cast and you know the resulting MP distribution that the campaign was started as a single issue campaign. There are many other electoral form organizations but make votes matter at at the time certainly i believe was the only one that was concentrated just on this just on the electoral system or other aspects of electoral reform so the whole campaign is about doing that for westminster for the general elections that doesn't mean to say that we don't recognize that local pr is important and we do actually have um an element of our campaign which is fairly new in the last six months or so, which is for local councillors as network um, to look at how local campaigning for local elections can be um, introduced and planned. Um, so the campaign as a whole has three strands. Um, there's the grassroots strand, which I'm part, which is the local groups, which are our lifeblood, cool. which is basically network of people up and down the country that form little hubs of activity with our support. Awesome, like different regions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really my role, is to help those local groups get off get off the ground um, and stay off the ground and not collapse. Um, and, and it, you know, it brings together people that are passionate about this issue and gives them a vehicle to channel their political um, campaigning energy. And, you know, so... That's the essence of the grassroots campaign. Awesome, yeah. Um, and then there's an alliance, which is um, a network of organisations 
um, various groups, including environmental groups, electoral reform groups, political groups, and MPs. And, and they come together to look at this on a different level, strategic level in terms of you know, how we come together. The Alliance really was central in helping our formulate our good systems agreement, which is the, the kind of overarching principles of any good system of PR. They're encapsulated in this good systems agreement and agreed through the, through the members of the Alliance. And then we've got a Labour-focused strand of our campaign, which is absolutely critical at the moment. It, it is really where we're putting most of our energy at the moment. Um, and the reason for that is because we need Labour to be um, coming on board with putting this as a manifesto pledge in this year's conference. And um, so the Labour focus campaign also includes the unions. You said that there's, you know, your coalition is organizations and also um, political groups as well as environmental groups. And But yeah. with the politicians, I'm assuming they're from different political parties, right? Yeah. Very, yeah. Is it very um, respective of the various um, political groups on the spectrum of anything from more the right wing to the left wing? I do know that there's a cross section from all parties. Obviously, the one that's missing mostly is, is the Conservative Party. We've only got a, a couple of people from the Conservative Party that are interested in this and that believe in it. How, having said that, there is a Conservative Party for elect, a, a Conservative campaign for electoral reform. Um, there is, there is one. It exists. Yeah. That, it, <laughs> no, you know, it's just good to highlight how much this is not an issue that um, is specific to a, a political party or um, no. where you, you end up on the spectrum. It's clearly something that different members of parliament all yeah. agree, at least up to some level, that this is something they, they rather see. Um, yeah. So that's really interesting. It's, you know, people don't realise, but Winston Churchill is famously quoted as supporting, I can't remember the entire quote right now, but there is a quote, we can look it up, where he he describes proportional representation as a no-brainer, essentially. Well, that is very interesting. You know, so when, when, the, when the Conservative Party say, oh, you know, it's not, you know, there's no support for this, well, have a little look in your own backyard. Hey. <laughs> well. there. There was support, there was support. There was support. And there is, you know, to be fair, there are conservatives that look beyond party interest. Yes. And just look at, well, what's fairer? Well, this is to do with democracy, isn't it? Absolutely. So um, what are some of the things that you've been up to, some of your campaigns, and what are you doing now? Oh, there's lots of things. I mean, first of all, the Midlands is one of the regions where we've struggled a little bit to get local groups off the ground. I don't know why that is. Um, so my my role as part of the campaign, a big drive of, of our campaign has been to get people to get this network up and running up and down the country. And we've put on all sorts of, of events that support that. Um, there's there's lots of ways of volunteering. We've got various volunteering roles um, that are advertised on our website. Um, for example off the top of my head, there's people that are interested more so in maybe in the data side and helping with that. There are people that are helping with the alliance work. There are people helping with the labor, like doing um, call banking. And there's a newsletter that we have. There's people that write for us or with us. And so those are the many ways that people can get involved. And the other thing that I would say, which is a passion of mine, is we don't have enough people from different communities sharing their voice here. And obviously with your organization, I was looking on your website and I'm very happy to see what you do. Um, You know, because we need, I I use the term politically black, yeah? Um, We need more black people to chime their voice in with this. This is, this is something that is central to my role. Notoriously, um, I think electoral reform is not the sexiest subject on the planet. Uh, um, yeah. For, for many people. <laughs> however, however, having said that, we think it is. 
we think it's great right now then, it is it is exactly and there's you know when people start connecting with what this really means what so for example for 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 black people one of the issues is that you know there may be an issue where um the power of the black vote is kind of not being maybe as widely acknowledged as it could be well how does proportional voting impact on even the most marginalized groups being heard versus our current system with uh, first past the post so we can break this down in a number of ways um if we look at the concept of what i call ineffectual votes or or other another word for it's called wasted votes what that means is under this first past the post system just to explain how it works at the moment way the way it works is as we know you go every five years to your election ballot box you get put across next to a candidate from a party that may be independent and that's it you get one vote and depending on where you live the value of that vote will then vary and the reason for that is because of the density of the voters and also how many votes are needed to get past the threshold to elect somebody once you say for example a lot of black people not i mean there's different views about this i mean you may have heard of operation black votes yeah I've done uh-huh. fantastic fantastic work in 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 really raising the level of voting amongst the black community i mean they they are the trailblazers they are and, they uh, really are and you know i read their report you know the power of the black vote and with real interest and they sh- they showed just how influential uh, black voting is in, in in marginal seats but what we're also noticing at, at MVM is that you know that there is a there is a also a possibility of the the focus of the vote of the of the campaigning being in um, more skewed towards the mainstream because the black vote black vote isn't seen to be as influential and like for example in in the in urban areas there's more wasted votes there's more ineffectual votes because if you live in a safe seat i think like as in manchester we did um a, a report called the peterloo report which breaks this down really well in manchester i believe that the number of additional votes on top of the votes that would have been needed to elect the mp's was about a million in the last election which could have elected i think it was another five mp's could have been gained from that and and this is particularly um relevant to labor because for labor they have some of the safest seats in the country or they did have and um so the wasted votes for labor are huge really and and so where do black people often live they live in the cities and they live in you know this area so certainly where i grew up in the midlands everybody just voted labor and that was it you know everybody just that was it. you didn't do anything you didn't even didn't even think about it that was that was what you did and so we did we weren't politically engaged and i think now the the landscape has changed and i think the way that the smaller communities can get a voice now is is first of all if we reduce the amount of wasted votes let the votes become more equal and then let's look at candidate selection now under first past the post in a single member constituency what happens is you you tend to get the safest pair of hands that's chosen and um i think it was in 2019 for example um you know there was labor was was criticized for having the top 99 seats there were just six bain candidates chosen for those seats and then in the same year for the european elections which were under pr um 
26% of Labour candidates. So the candidate selection for all parties, Conservatives and all, all parties actually, under PR would, would be more diverse. There would be a gr much better possibility of getting issues platformed for BAME communities because there would be an, an, an idea of focusing not just on marginal seats, which are, you know, the, basically the target of the elections. The parties would have to invest time engaging with everybody in all areas equally, instead of just these marginal seats. So then everybody's voice would get heard more. Definitely. Does that um, make sense? No, it does make sense. I just wanted to, you know, of course, um, highlight as well, you know, even if we did vote more, more people voted, less wasted votes, how does the impact of that, if we stayed under first past the post, and the reason I'm asking that is because of the way we know that the, the votes are focused, does it really matter? Does our votes still going to matter even if the wasted votes were counted more? How is this going to impact the seats at the end of the day, even if more people turned up, how does that translate to seats? Well, it comes back to the system. It, you know, I'm not sure that it does, you know, because the system as it stands just does not, will, it doesn't deliver a, a votes and seats match. Exactly. So if, if more people vote, this is part of the problem, I think, is... You know, it's taken me a while to get my head around this as well. You know, because you know, for years I didn't take interest in in this, all this stuff. It's like, oh, you know, that's, that's you know, not for me. But when, when you start to look into it, when I certainly started to look into it, and I've gone, hang on a minute here. This really is not fair, you know. And at the, you know, we, we're not getting this, this kind of... Um, democracy that we thought we, we have because we cast our vote well, let's, if we just back up a little bit you know, and look at it from a couple of perspectives just from an equalities perspective first of all you know, here in this country we did a, we did a report on the, called the Peterloo Report which is based on um, you know, this, this event that happened a couple of hundred years ago where the working class people basically were not represented. And they were like, hey, hang on a minute here. What the hell's going on? Only the landed gentry can vote. We want we want representation. That that was the, the, the essence of the Peterloo. The massacre that happened was the uprising that was quashed because they wanted their rights. It took a while to get them, but eventually, you know, non-landed people in stages got increasing share of the votes. Now, you know, it's not about what land you've got. So we've got to level one. Right? Yeah. Right. Before that, you know, or alongside that, we had women getting the vote, you know, and then we had, like, for example, in the civil rights, you know, black people in America secured the vote. So all of those things are great and, and brilliant. But now the question is, a vote into what? It's great that we've got a vote, but it doesn't, it's, it can be, I mean, I've had many discussions with friends of mine who've said there is no point in voting because we are voting into a corrupt system. Why the hell should I support that? Am I not just playing the game? And I say to them, that's fine. And I can go along with it to a point on a personal level because I feel it. However, have you got an alternative mm. to not voting? And if you haven't, then what are you what are you going to be encouraging people to do? Yeah. That just breeds apathy, and that's exactly what the system wants. Wants. Yeah. And so we just play right into the hands. So I don't support people just not voting. One hundred percent. But I think in the current climate, the best thing that we can do is to push our votes in the direction of parties that are supporting a change to the electoral system. So I'm a member of the Labour Party 
you know, I'm an active member, well, kind of active, um, and I'm part of that campaign to, to push Labour. I think Labour are crazy for not thinking about this. I think they Labour now are really thinking about it, seriously, very seriously, which is great. But all parties, so I think, you know, we, we can push our elected representatives and just candidates when they're standing, ask them, what is your view on PR and electoral reform and why? I mean, I, I would say they need to go beyond just, oh, it's fairer. Ask people, well, how much do you know about PR then? How does it work? And, you know, often, and I've talked to people who should know, they don't know. They come out with kind of just blanket statements. And when you start digging, this is where it's not, party interest is what dictates what they say. It's not about really about whether they think it's fairer. I think, you know, accusations were launched, for example, at some parties like the Lib Dems, like, you want you want electoral reform because it would favour you. But I'd throw the coin back and go, well, you want to keep first past the coast precisely because it favours you. Well, that, you well, know? yeah, that is actually part of the debate, isn't it? Is that, um, yeah. I was doing some research into this and I read an article that said, of course, the bigger parties would favour first past the post as opposed to up and coming or maybe not as in presence, I guess, parties. And the reason for that, of course, is if you had PR, proportional um, representation, then of course we might start to see who actually favors each party, what, what they really stand for, and instead of majority wins. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Tactical voting would be a thing of the past. It would change the political landscape, which I think is, is so challenging for the power system. You know, people's whole attitudes over time would change because you don't have to do that anymore. You don't. Here now, you know, if you live in a certain area and it's going to be close and you don't want one party to get in, you might vote tactically. You know, because that's what you need to do. Under PR, it wouldn't matter. Your vote would be counted no matter where you are. And it'd be equal. Your geography wouldn't come into it. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about just bringing it back to International Day of Democracy and with PR. Mm. I did some research and of course on your website itself, it does talk about how so many countries have adopted proportional um, representation. Then it also yeah. outlined who hasn't. And of course yeah. the list includes ourselves, which is the UK and we have the US and we have Canada. But there was something else that I found interesting on your website, how I think you... Um, haven't read the full thing but it did mention how a lot of um uh, countries that have a history with con colonization you know so that would be the, a bit of the us the uk and um you know canada i think was colonized at one point but anyway mm -hmm. they have that first po um past the post so yeah what i just wanted to talk a little bit more about that get a better understanding especially with the uk being a founding member of the un which by the way is pushing for a democracy um why wouldn't they jump at the opportunity to join a whole bunch of other countries and do proportional representation why do you think we're like isn't that not the no-brainer is that not the democracy way in short, yes. <laughs> in short, in short, yes. You know, we, it's, it, it kind of goes back to it. If we look at vested interests here, we are one of only three OECD countries that support first past the post. Yeah. Developed democracies, one of three. And there's a thing I've been looking at. Just going back to it in in our Peterloo report, which I'd really like to just mention here. There's this, this thing called economic democracy. And it's about, about distribution of power. There's an index that goes with it. And there was a, a research done on this, which is outlined in the report. And um, it ranks all of the countries, um, OECD countries, according to this. Top is Denmark hmm. for economic democracy. Basically, all the top seven used PR, systems of PR. Basically, most of the top countries all used a system of PR with a couple of exceptions France South Korea and Australia um, and then right at the bottom is the US 
um, and then just 31st, and then 25th was the UK. Wow. So we are down at the bottom. Canada's 21st. So we know that there's a direct relationship. We know that from the research between the, the, the kind of pay gap, the economic divide between rich and poor is much bigger in countries with first past the post. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, countries with PR tend to spend more on social welfare. There's also research like you were just alluding to that when I first read it, it was like, wow, it was news to me is that countries with PR tend to not go to war as much or stay in those wars once they're there. It's, it's, it's a bit complicated to do with how decisions are made within governments and power structures. Um, but it's, that, it's incredible. It's incredible. It is. I mean, the way I look at it, it's it, the, the clues in the name, you know, first past the post is a competition yeah yeah it's it's you know it's a it's a bang you know we're gonna we're gonna essentially what we see is what do we see battling politics people basically making personal attacks you know it's not about issues it's 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 about that person it's personality driven media hype and in pr it's proportional it's it's about cooperation it's about building links with people people think that's a dirty word coalition oh my god you know what the hell are broad churches they are they are coalitions in 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 our parties and they they talk about well we don't want to go into and they're absolutely divided yeah they they almost could be a separate party the only reason they're there is because of complicated internal stuff and um so you know they build coalitions now it happens we've had coalitions how many times in the recent dup the tories we've had you know, the s the, the liberal democrats and we've had them we've seen then, a lot during the brexit days <laughs> they just popped up yeah. all the time yeah yeah so if we were supposed to introduce voting ids mm-hmm what do you think the impact will be on a voting and b the democracy the uk democracy well i don't think it's going to be good let's just say that um there's very little evidence for what they're trying to do yeah the various organizations have commented on voter id schemes including the electoral reform society that's kind of led on it in some ways and the evidence is is is, is poor I mean, what their main premise, as I understand it, is that they want to avoid voter fraud. Yeah. Of which there's very little evidence. I was going to, I was just about to ask right. you, what is the... <laughs> there's hardly any, right? Okay. And uh, so that's my understanding. Although I'm no expert in this area. Yeah. Um, I think what it does is it erects barriers that are allegedly meant to... Um, weed out bad results but you know one of the things that I think is true is even if there was significant voter impersonation if you like it's almost impossible that it could affect the results of an election on a large scale you'd have to do it in such a mass scale and have such a great level of organization it's not going to happen under first past the post anyway and um you know, so it, it's the rationale, I think, is very questionable. And who's going to be impacted? It's not going to be the people that are relatively well off, well educated, got ID, fairly, you know, used to doing all that sort of stuff. We've all got ID. I don't dispute that. You know, we've, we've all got things. But then, you know, young people, you know, with, with photo ID on the day, you know, passports, not everybody's got passports. We all yeah. know what happened with Windrush. Yep, exactly, yep. You know, and, you know, the, the fiasco that resulted from that. And um, and so, really, it's erecting barriers where they're not needed. And you have to, I certainly have to question, why are, why are you doing that? And so, the short answer 
is yes, it will definitely impact. I mean, for example, 350 people were turned away from voting in the in where the pilot sites were were um, held in the, in the local elections in May 2018. 350 in in that year, in, well, in 2017, there were 28 allegations of fraud out of 45 million votes. And we had 350 people not being able to vote because of ID. In, this is just in five target. But I mean, it's like that gives you an idea of what it's going to do. It's almost like creating more of a well. It's not almost like it is creating more of a problem because people mm. can't vote. Um, when I thought about it, I thought about we have the new Immigration Act, right? Mm-hmm. And that in itself you know, it invites people as long as they fit the criteria, essentially. And I just thought about recent migrants and, you know, even like we've had a lot of unfortunate um, unstableness in many countries and things like that. So we've seen a lot of refugees and that sort of thing. And I thought, well, hold on a second. That's not really good, is it? Because in my mind, it's disenfranchising. It's literally saying, here you go, jump through more hoops to get your opportunity to vote. And then, of course, we talked. You did touch on the Windrush scandal and what that really shown and brought to light is the struggle, anyway, for them to get the identification they were essentially promised. So, this recording is possibly like about a week before, of course, the fifteenth of September. So, apologies if there's new information in the news and we're talking almost what it seems like in past tense, but. Um, the current debate is around um, Priti Patel looking at changing the electoral reform anyway in terms of um, voting for the police crime commissioner um, but changing it to first past the post. So it's interesting yeah. that you brought that up. Um, yeah. I just wanted to talk to you more about how the decisions today made off the past election, the last national election is now impacting on decisions made for other voting um, when they come up, could could you talk a little bit about that? Well, you know, I think I think the majority that's been given on the basis of forty three percent of the vote, you know, Labour and and Conservatives have averaged, I think, around forty percent. I mean, there's been elections where it's been thirty seven percent and much less where they formed majorities. So we don't have this huge stonking majority that voted for this government and I'll just go back to it if we allow that to happen then we're watching a system where the majority of the power is given on the minority of the vote consistently and and with under first past the post it favours right wing well, at this moment, the, the, yeah. Well, historically, there's lots of research. And again, I'll go back to our Peter Lou report. It's in there. Lots of references where the research has consistently shown, comprehensive research, that countries that have PR do not favour left or right. Mm. Countries that have first past the post absolutely favour right-wing governments and we've had the majority of that so it's a product of that for me it's, it's a legacy of that and that we, we get this kind of decision making happening um, and I, I I think yeah that's what I would say really some a current debate from what I can see is looking at is, are we still being represented so what we voted on Okay, let's use a current example. With the increase, the potential increase of 1.5% um, for the national insurance um, tax in order to fund the social care, right, in this country, that actually goes against some of the Tory party. It goes against something in their manifesto, which they, you know, pledged on. And there was clips all over it this morning when I was watching it. So with things like that, people who voted for them, happy they're there, are still feeling perhaps that some of the things they voted on the basis of 
or not exactly happening? So do our votes matter? And how do we, to some extent, as a democracy, so back to democracy, hold um, decisions that don't necessarily represent what we voted for to account? Is there a way to do that? What are some of the ways in which I know one of the things, of course, in which I can see from your website in terms of making votes matter is to contact your local MP, which is a easy thing to do. You can find it on the website. It's all all out there, contact details. But what else um, in terms of making votes matter and the vote turning out the way you want it and then decisions don't represent perhaps what's in the manifesto, that's not a dig at any political party, just a question. It's a big question. It is. Oh my God. <laughs> it is. See the, headline, see the headlines tomorrow. Political party does not implement manifesto. Oh my God. Shock horror. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is part of it, isn't it? If mm-hmm. if the if the power structure is relatively immune from the electorate, mm. then they can promise whatever they like at election time. And, you know, how are they going to be held accountable? You know, if you're in a safe seat, how are you accountable? I'm not saying that MPs that are in safe seats don't have integrity and accountability. They do. You know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not saying that. But what I'm saying is as a structure, as a system, yeah. if there was a situation where you've got, for example, it's happened in like by-elections, you know, you know, local MPs have done stuff, be deselected, stuff's happened, other MPs get drafted in to fight the election, there's all sorts of things going on, and, you know, where is the local accountability? And it's, it's missing under this system. Yeah. Because the system itself makes it very hard for us to be truly accountable. If there was no such thing as safe seats and you knew that you had to engage with your electorate all the time and not just in a safe seat, uh, sorry, not just in a marginal, you know, what would happen to the accountability? It's all linked, isn't it, really? Like how the voting system impacts yeah. even down to the decisions of how you can hold yeah. you know just what you voted for accountable and this is yeah. why it's so interesting to talk about these wider issues and you know not just the issues that seem so easy to ask because then you see the wider picture in general like how that decision impacts all the others and how it could be changed just from the way voting systems work before we finish up there was just one thing that i did see on the make votes matter um website and i did not ask earlier it was um it was mentioned about you know kind of like these pop-up votes like the pop-up elections like they're not necessarily um going according to when it's planned i'm trying to remember the exact wording that you used hold on a second oh snap elections so there was something about snap elections and I wanted to ask how do voting systems affect um, affect these snap up elections and the decision to have a snap up election well the thing is, is you know snap election is just a reflection really yeah. of a point in time where we're doing the same old thing we're using the same old system to try and tackle the same old problem and yeah I mean in party interest people will try and and call for a snap election like Theresa May famously did. Well, you that's, know? that's what I was referring to. <laughs> exactly. I mean, she called that thinking, oh, we all know what happened. But, you know, it had nothing to do with the voting system in a way, you know. Well, she thought that she could win the election, so it does, you know, under first past the post. But it had nothing to do with changing it. And, um, and that wasn't on the agenda. And um, under first past the post, she thought that, yeah, I can win this. We can certainly win this. And what did they end up having to do? A coalition. Yep, yep. Well, I think what I was looking at from, you know, just a bit of research um, with decisions in general, the snap election is typically used as a right. I think I'm in favour. I think my party's in favour. So if we bring the snap election, we're going to effectively get what we wanted out of it. 
we can kind yeah. of predict the outcome. So I guess with proportional representation, having a change of who represents seats could change how people feel and even the decision to do snap, snap um, yeah. elections. Well, the thing is, under, under PR, what the research shows is that the basic decision making is more stable and longer term. Ah, interesting. Not emotional. No, it's not because it, it involves more negotiation and cooperation, and it's it's not as prone to being like influenced by these short-term cycles. So, as we said earlier, the policies tend to be more socially just. Yeah. You know, there's, there's more spending on social welfare and environmental concerns. And the research shows that in countries that have got good PR. Yeah, I mean, I think parties then, you know, vote, will make decisions along those lines. I think very different decisions would be made under PR, where these kind of relationships will be established. And, um, and I think cooperation would be more so center stage than competition well thank you so much for of course joining me and talking to me on what people are listening um the day it will be for listeners which will be international um day of democracy 2021 on the 15th of september um i really hope that you enjoyed speaking with me as i did with absolutely. you it's been my pleasure it's been <laughs> um, absolute pleasure if people want to find out more about the campaign could you tell us where where they can go what socials you know what's your website um earl so we've got a make Votes matter website um www.makebossmatter.org.uk we've got a facebook page we've got uh, all sorts of social media stuff going on in you know, with related to Facebook. Um, I don't think we're on Instagram, but I could be wrong um, about that. <laughs> It'll be on I'm your sure website, wouldn't it? You know, It'll be on the website. Yeah. And you know, if people want to find out anything about our campaign, a good way to do it is to just sign up. Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, um, if you want to check out our socials um for in society as well it's in well at in society underscore uk and that is on instagram twitter and facebook or you could just look at our website and it's all there anyway um <laughs> so thank you so much again and um yeah that's that's all we've got and please let us know any comments any questions i will especially if you have any for make um make votes matter campaign i can pass them on as well or just get in touch with them direct but thank you everyone for listening and i'll be back with more later